When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Mutual. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Hello, strange world. Welcome to the Aldergate Papers. My name is Adrian Ward, and these singed and crumpled pages are my diary, a record of the final days of my former life. I remember almost nothing of the story they contain. All I know is that it ends with me very nearly being killed and that it may not be entirely unrelated to some of the strange things that seem to be happening lately. If there's any truth in the odd fragments of memory that I just can't seem to shake, well, there are things you deserve to know. Things that may help you to understand what's going on, and what's coming. Oh dear... Something appears to have happened. When we last left our hero, he was a man with a plan. His investigation into the mysterious murder of his old friend and rival Samantha Braden had borne unexpected fruit, and he, the indomitable Adrian Ward, was on his way to a well-earned rest. Diary written, duty done. Time for a bath and a book and a bite and a bed. Oh. Oh dear, oh dear. These pages are in a dreadful state. Stained and sticky and dusty and altogether foul. Yes, indeed. It appears that, somewhere between the library and the bedroom, something terrible has happened. This is Day Five or Six, Part One. De Profundis. It is the fifth or sixth day of the return to Aldergate. There is no way to guess the time, but the place of writing is the basement of the manse of the Vice-Chancellor. We begin. Still alive, are you, self old boy? Pathetic. 
can't even drink yourself to death properly. Not on this stuff, at any rate. Call this wine. The drier stuff on pancakes. Courage. All it takes is perseverance. But even if the alcohol never does quite kick in, you can't be more than half a bottle from diabetic coma anyhow. So, swings and roundabouts. Waiter! More hemlock, if you please. Ugh. And did Sir enjoy his last meal? Did not the syrupy floral notes of the essence complement the flavor of the notepaper, bring out the subtle bouquet of the ink? Now, why not finish yourself off with this hoary old Massandra? After two centuries under cork, it probably is poison, but mind you keep it down. Imagine if they found your pathetic corpse stuck face down in a puddle of your own confession. Why, you'd simply die of embarrassment. <sighs> Will they still do a portrait of you, do you think? You haven't even been properly inaugurated yet, so they may just sweep you under the carpet and pretend you never happened. <sighs> Probably for the best. Erect no monument for nearly Vice-Chancellor Ward. No marble, no conventional phrase. Just, here lies Adrian Ward, coward and incompetent and drama queen. He departed this life after first scribbling out, then tearing up, and finally eating three pages of utter nonsense. Mad accusations and desperate pleas for forgiveness from a world that is better off without him. <sighs> there. Write that on two short planks, nail it to the lump of gristle you call a head, and chuck the lot into the river. Perhaps the ducks will find a use for you. Ah. The rest of this page is just a rather morbid little sketch. Moving on. Come on now. Back up, self, old boy. The worst is over. You've light to see by, and more than enough to drink. And if you get peckish, there's a whole notebook here for you to snack on. You may not like it much, but you'll live until it's time for your big ceremony. They're sure to miss you then, if not before. Think of it as a colorful start to your legacy. Some distant day there'll be a statue of you in bronze on Striver's Quad in Elden House. That's Vice-Chancellor Ward, they'll say. Nearly missed his own inauguration. Locked himself in the wine cellar, don't you know? Legend has it that by the time they found him he'd emptied a hundred bottles. And refilled ninety-nine. <laughs> <sighs> The ceremony's at noon, day after tomorrow. Or perhaps tomorrow, by now. What time is it, do you suppose? 
How long were you down in that terrible hole? <sighs> Best not think about it. Perhaps you should try to sleep. <laughs> After all, you were just off to bed. Hours and hours and hours ago. Well, after your bath. <laughs> Poor Adrian. You got yourself all dusty rifling through Sir Reggie's hoard. You're just about ready to retire to the porcelain with that copy of Fasti Seven you found in the box with those spoons and old pottery. But first, you needed a snack. And your little plate of cheese looked so dashed lonely, don't you know? And you remembered, in your folly, about Sir Reggie's famous wine cellar. <sighs> How do you balls up a simple plan like that? Step one, nip downstairs. Step two, grab a bot of the right stuff. Step three, Retire to the suds to give your aching hand and silly head a good soaking. All pretty straightforward, what? So one might have thought. So one bloody well did think. Sweet mercy, when it comes to ganging a glare, we sleek it mousies don't know the half of it. You and your plans. Hmm. It wasn't the plan's fault. Not a bit. Perfectly good plan. But, you know, it's, it's like they always say. No plan survives first contact with mysterious blighters trying to kill you in your own cellar. Yes, there is that. Even if you do get out of here in one piece, there's still that. What do you make of it? Think now, if you can. This may be important. Think. Did you hear anything, or see anything, as you were coming down here? No. No, you did not. Were they hiding, do you suppose? Certainly could have been. Plenty of spots to do it. Curse this place. Yes, curse the place. Curse this bloody basement. It's truly enormous, or seems it. It's so cram-packed with rubbish that there's barely room to turn round. And curse the bloody Aldergate mentality of letting the new grow tumorous out of the old. Curse Sir Reggie's lazy, globe-trotting hide. Why the twist couldn't he have cleared out the place once in a while? What is this fossilized pipe forest? This orgy of iron octopi? You can see the manse's hot water heater there in the thick of it. A fine and shiny white 200-gallon fay ray, wrapped in the rusty clutches of this monstrous old boiler system. 1847, Barton Buckminster. Sweet mercy, you could live in the thing. Invite Jules Verne over, 
The two of you could climb into its riveted mouth and take it on a fantabulous voyage. <sighs> Is that where your would-be murderer was hiding? Your ladder thief? Were they lurking in its oxidizing guts, watching poor innocent little you as you peered about this blighted basement, pulled your dressing gown tight against the subterranean chill, picked your way among the rat traps over to the little stone staircase in the far corner? <sighs> Did you see, hear, sense anything as you descended into the cellar? <sighs> no, not really. But there's so much you could so easily have missed. <sighs> Anyhow, down once more, from the basement to the cellar. It's a hobbit-hole sort of place. Compressed, you know, or like some lower deck of a great and ancient ship. One big low room full of barrels and boxes and obscure alchemical glassware. Oh, and the fuse boxes down there, uh, naturally. Worth remembering, assuming you survive till the next blackout. Then there's the wine. Bottles and bottles, racks and racks and racks. Sir Reggie brooked no half-measures when he started a collection. Racks of bottles running from wall to wall and from the floorboards below to the floorboards above. Not much light to see them by, just bare bulbs in wire cages strung along the ceiling. Anybody could have been hiding down there, walking between the rows, watching you blow dust off ancient bottlery. Well, you gave him a show, at least, pursing your lips and knitting your brow, so that the ancestral ghosts would not mistake you for some casual plonqueur. At length, you selected a cobwebbed old thing with handwriting on it, Portuguese, you think. Between the dust and the centuries, you could hardly make it out. You were squinting at the label, rather than watching where you were going, and imagine your surprise and indignation when you turned a corner and fell through the bloody floor. Honestly, who even has a trap door? Since when are there trap doors? Real ones in real life. Awful, vicious things, lying about, no use to anybody, just waiting for chaps to fall through them. Ugh. And this was not one of those graceful, elegant falls. No clean vertical plop, as preferred by W.E. Coyote, Esquire. Now, when your lead foot realized that the floor had gone, you flailed like an imbecile and toppled forward. You met the trapdoor's far lip at about the level of your third shirt button, and it knocked more wind out of you than you'd had to start with. You heard the bottle smash and splash beneath you as the weight of your legs swung forward. You scrabbled to grab hold of the ledge, were reminded of the state of your hand, yelped in agony, and dropped into darkness.
You're lucky to have survived the fall. Well, hopefully you're lucky. Question hasn't yet been entirely resolved. Or suppose you didn't survive. Suppose the mumblers were right all along. Now you're condemned to some dreadfully dull sort of purgatory. Or perhaps you never fell at all. Perhaps this whole ordeal has been conjured up inside your... Uh, no. No, the fact that you write this kneeling rather than sitting is testimony to your continued corporeal state, and that of the busted bottle you landed on. Nobody ever got a lacerated arse from a dagger of the mind. But here's the thing. It can't all be real. That's the twist of it all. Focus now. Focus. Think back. Remember. You fell. You landed. What then? <sighs> Darkness. Dull pain in your back and head, plus the stabbing in the trouser region. Eyes closed. You're lying in a crunchy puddle. Wooden floorboards. Not the aristocratic hardwoods of the manse proper. Rough, crude things, so old that the splinters have fossilized into needles. You open your eyes. There's one of those captive bulbs hanging directly above you, framed in a square of light. It illuminates the ladder next to your head that a less creative chap might have used for the descent. A wave of anger washes over you. Anger at Sir Reggie for bequeathing you a house with bloody holes in the floor. Anger at the universe generally, and its perverse insistence on being like that. The trapped thing awakens inside one of the wooden crates in the cellar above you, and thrashes nastily for a while. You close your eyes again. You think about spinal injuries, and wonder whether you ought not to move, just in case. Time passes. You attempt to wiggle your toes. <sighs> Success. You roll onto your side, and then your stomach. You push up onto your elbows and knees. You are sticky and miserable, but the trapped thing is gone. All you can hear now is the ringing in your head. <sighs> you rock back onto your haunches. You rub where it hurts. You look about you, which accomplishes very little. You have found the subcellar, and the only light is what's coming down through the trap. Everything reeks of sickly sweet rottenness. You fantasize about warm water and soft blankets.
This next bit is important. Be precise. For a moment, you thought the trapped thing was back. And then you thought the footsteps were down there in the subcellar with you. You froze. You were poised to fling yourself up the ladder and away from whatever horror stalks the dark places beneath the manse, when you realized that it was coming from above, moving towards you. You hid. It's hard to say, in retrospect, whether or not this was a good move, but it's the move you made. You stepped back from the patch of light and held your breath as the intruder paused right above you. You waited. Weaponless, you jammed your hand into the pocket of your dressing gown and gripped Sir Reggie's pipe in case you had to bludgeon somebody to death with it. You watched the ladder. It shook. It shifted. Then it leapt up, up, and away. It left you crouching in rigid silence. And then the trap door slammed shut overhead. You listened as the footsteps retreated the way they had come. Slower now, laboring under the burden of your bloody twisting ladder. <laughs> the funny thing is, all you could think of for the longest time was how the little yellow spot of light in the ceiling, or the light remaining in your world, it really was keyhole-shaped. You stared at it, and then down at the little patch of glow it made on the floorboards, and then at the twinkling motes of dust that sparked briefly into and out of existence as they cut through that solitary beam. You straightened up and raised a hand towards the little light. Up on tiptoe, with arm outstretched, your fingers groped just shy of the golden keyhole. <sighs> Bend at the knees and jump. Wood and metal against your fingertips. Taking a few paces back, you executed a running leap with all the power and grace that once made you the toast of the 63rd Street Y. You smacked the trapdoor a good one with your healthy palm. To your momentary delight, it popped up an inch or so, before falling shut once more. Your trajectory carried you past the beam of light and into the darkness beyond. You landed. Something snapped. For an awful instant, you thought it was your ankle. In the awfuler instant that followed, you were falling once more. Only briefly, you sprawled awkwardly as one leg kicked in emptiness, flinging a carpet slipper into the void. After a moment, a hideously long moment, you heard a piece of broken floorboard clatter somewhere below. You tried to scramble up and away from the hole. Your foot caught, and you tumbled forward, 
You put out your arms to catch yourself, bracing for the agony of your poor, abused left hand. But that agony never came. The floor hit you full in the gut, but everything above your sternum dangled over into empty space. For a long, long time, weeks probably, you lay there, hanging over the abyss, not moving a muscle. You listened as the ancient boards beneath you made little complaining noises, groaning offensively, arguing whether to just give up and drop you to your death. <sighs> you had to breathe eventually, and regretted it at once. The creaking intensified, and you were suddenly aware of a peculiarly awful smell, a sort of decaying funk, mixed with dust and wetness and the cloying stink of wine. Your face seemed bathed in a clammy vapor. You shuddered with irresistible revulsion, and spun yourself perilously away from the edge. The creaks became shrieks, and the world began to sink. You flung yourself back towards the glowing keyhole as the board screamed. <sighs> you landed on damp wood and splintered bottle, and were dashed grateful for it. More planks crashed somewhere below. <sighs> you rolled onto your back. You lay there, looking up at the keyhole. Your little gray cells were addled with adrenaline and being knocked about, but you sensed quite clearly that panic was making a fast climb up your short list of remaining options. You tried to rise above. You attempted a coldly rational assessment of the facts. This did little to cheer you up. The whole situation was utterly miserable, and it presented you with a fiendish sort of poser. There you were, that is to say, trapped between the clashing scylla of the known and the sucking charybdis of the undiscovered. On the one hand, there might well be a box or something lying about that you could drag over to the trap door and climb to freedom. But, supposing there was, how on earth could you find it? For all you knew, you'd landed on the only unrotten bit of floor in the whole place. One false step could mean instant death, or, worse yet, gradual death. Alone and cold, and in total darkness. <sighs> that thought, even that possibility, seemed far less tolerable than just lying there under the keyhole until you starved. <sighs> then, from all around, and especially below you, the unnameable fear softly cleared its throat. Before it had come to you, now you had repaid the visit. You rolled onto your side, feeling ill, to stare pointlessly into the blackness of eternal night all around you. You struggled for breath, 
The darkness filled your lungs, stifled you. You fought it. You swallowed the wordless bleat that wanted desperately to climb out of your throat. You couldn't bring yourself to move, but you had to do something. You groped blindly about you, your fingers dancing gingerly over the boards not knowing what you hoped to find, and trying not to think of all the things you hoped not to. <sighs> what you found was this notebook. It had escaped the pocket of Sir Veggie's dressing gown, and fallen nearby, pen still clipped securely to the pad. Not an escape from your dungeon, or from your misery. But, perhaps, a reprieve from the horror. You began to write. You wrote that utterly humiliating confession. Words which you have now, appropriately, eaten. Oh, you gave up all the gory details. Everything that went into building whist, and then wetnet, and the clean-up afterwards. Cryptech. Not the smooth and shiny little bit of it you fobbed off onto Kirk Bryce, but the whole brilliant, inglorious mess. The queries, the inquiries, the promises, the necessary sacrifices, and then the true masterwork. Piecing together the invisible clockwork that, in the end, became Project Sybil. And they not even to dream. <sighs> or so you thought. Then, suddenly, Voxen was silent. An unscheduled conclave, and no invitation for you. And you thought nothing of it. Because you'd been so very clever. And then, the kill. So quick and clean, you only heard the silence that followed. Then, the aftermath. Your petulant, foolish... Oh, you showed them, didn't you? You showed them what Adrian Ward could do, if they weren't careful. Oh. Oh, dear. Siblings upstairs. You said hello to Mr. Deadman just a few hours before you came down here, but if it takes three days for you to get out of this... Oh. Well, in that case... Your confession won't much matter then, will it? <laughs> Pity. It's a significant historic document you've got churning in your guts. You named all the names you could think of, probably the first time they've been listed in one place before. No wonder you feel ill. They say you can't keep a good man down, but try it with a dozen dozen bastards. <sighs> And you apologized. 
to everyone, even them. For what you did, not even thinking of what you may still do. You wept, for them, and for your own sorry self. Not enough tears in the world, you know. Some things can't be deserved. Well, how about this, eh? This oubliette. Is this what Adrian Ward deserves? Courage, self. You've made it this far. And this far is where we always are. Always free until the next locked door. Try to sleep a little. If there's nothing you can do, you won't be missing much. If there is something, some clever plan, some cunning scheme to get you out of this, well, you're in no state to try to spin it at the moment. <sighs> ah. Yes, lullaby. Perhaps you'll dream your way to freedom. No, don't dream. Please, if you can help it, don't dream. Well then, things have taken an unfortunate turn, haven't they? Our poor hero is a prisoner in his own home, or rather, far below it. Entombed beneath the manse by some enemy unknown, we must leave him at the end of his rope, his wits, and, for all he knows, his life. Is this the end of Adrian Ward? We shall just have to see, shan't we? Join me every second Sunday at thealdergatepapers.com. Find the Aldergate Papers on Apple Podcasts as well. And spread the word, won't you? This may be my story, but I fear that it's likely to become everybody's problem. Until next time, I am and shall remain your humble servant, Adrian Ward. You're listening to Tuesday Terrors on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow is our weekly anthology for science fiction and fantasy as Lothar Tuppen brings you Wednesday Wonders. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of amazing audio or find the Wednesday Wonders feed in your favorite podcast player. And thank you for listening, everybody. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.